You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Hello and welcome to the Increasing Risk Tolerance to Drive Impact podcast from the Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund, a private infrastructure development group company. In this series, we aim to share practical lessons on how private sector investment and development can deliver game-changing infrastructure in frontier and emerging economies. Throughout the series, we've assembled expert voices to unpack EAIF's approach to managing risk to make transformative projects happen in many of the most complex operating environments in the world. Today we'll explore how EAIF diversifies sources of capital to successfully overcome risks in infrastructure development in Africa and is developing debt capital markets in Africa. Now time to introduce Martijn Prous, Director 91, Fund Manager of Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund. Welcome Martijn. Hello, how are you? Very good indeed, thank you. I think we've got to start at the beginning if we can. Please introduce the fund to us. All right. So my name is Martijn Proos. I'm the co-head of South Africa and Africa Credit here at 91. Uh, 91 is a global asset manager with a large focus on emerging markets. And uh, we started our business in uh, South Africa. Uh, and from there on, we grew to be a global asset manager. Uh, we are the day-to-day -day fund manager of the Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund um, that we're very proud of. Uh, so let me give you a bit of an introduction into EIF. EIF um, was set up in 2002, and it's a company that is part of the Private Infrastructure Development Group, which is a group that has a number of companies with a developmental focus uh, that provides development equity, equity, technical assistance, guarantees, and long-term debt. Uh, and the company that provides long-term debt is the Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund. Uh, it was set up as a blended finance vehicle, and I'm happy to explain during this podcast a little bit more the reasons why it was set up the way it was. But it was set up with anchor capital from four European governments, uh, and that capital is coming from the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, uh, Sweden, and Switzerland. Uh, and then we lever the fund through a mix of development finance institutions, as well as commercial banks, uh, such as Standard Bank, Standard Chartered, as well as institutional investors like uh, Allianz Global Investors. Uh, and DFI Capital is coming from um, KFW, which has been a long-term partner of EAF, FMO as well, and the African Development Bank. And what the fund does is it provides long-term patient debt capital, um, historically to Sub-Saharan Africa, but more recently we have expanded our mandates also to North Africa, the Levant, and since uh, 2023 also a number uh, of countries in South and Southeast Asia. And what we do is provide long-term uh, debt capital to infrastructure projects, privately owned and managed, typically with a ticket size between 10 and $65 million, up to 15 years, extending to 20 years when necessary. And we do that typically in uh, euros or dollars, uh, but where required, um, we also occasionally can look at providing that in local currency. Um, we have a 20-year track record. Um, we have been around for 20 years on the continent. We have financed more than 100 infrastructure projects. 
across nine infrastructure sectors in well over 20 African countries. That's a very good description uh, of the fund, Martin, but you also introduced something which is going to be very much part of the rest of the podcast. It's called blended finance. I think what you have to do is give us a definition of that concept. Yeah, there are a number of definitions out there that define blended finance. Uh, if you look at the OECD uh, definition, it says, you know, it's a strategic use of public capital uh, with a sustainable and developmental impact uh, with an aim to mobilize private sector capital. And I think that that fits the bill quite well. What we're trying to do here is to use the anchor capital that we received from the four European governments to scale up and mobilize more private sector capital through the EAF platform with a sustainable and developmental purpose to build the required infrastructure um, that Africa needs. Uh, if you uh, look at Africa, it's a continent that has a significant infrastructure deficit in areas such as transport, water, energy, and telecommunications. Uh, the African Development Bank estimates that Africa requires around 130 to 170 billion annually in infrastructure investment. And in developed markets, you know, such infrastructure um, investment is made both by public and private sources. What you see in Africa, you know, governments still are the largest financier of infrastructure on the continent. Um, but when it comes to private sector uh, capital, there is some, but, uh, you know, there's a lack of long-term debt facilities out there that are, are willing to provide that. And if you look at infrastructure, it requires long-term debt fin uh, financing because, you know, these are long-term assets. Typically, international and local banks are not able to provide the tenors that are required for these infrastructure assets. Uh, they're typically not willing to take such a long exposure in these countries because they deem them still too risky from an economic, political uh, perspective. Uh, and this is where a fund like EAF really comes in. You know, we then use that uh, anchor capital from these European governments to de-risk the participation of private sector investors such as Allianz and then we use that blend of capital both public and private to onland that long term uh, in these markets where it's typically not available and without a that anchor capital uh, a lot of institutional or commercial investors would not be able to do that they are willing to do that through a platform of EAF because it's largely de-risked for them. It has a 20-year track record. It has a low default rate. It shows that actually the perceived risk of Africa is a lot lower if you look at our loss rates. And also since last year, we try to tell that story more clearly by getting an external rating. So Moody's has rated the fund uh, A2 stable, um, and, and therefore it's the fund serves as a gateway for institutional investors to get access to the African uh, infrastructure asset class, I would say. Especially as many of these institutions or many of this private capital won't be as familiar with the continent of Africa, for example, as you are. Now, just before we leave blended finance, I want to ask one thing. First of all, who identifies the projects? Is it the government of the country concerned? And what comes first, public or private capital, or do they go in together? Just briefly, if you would. So the fund is set up to uh, finance the uh, private sector only. 
So we finance a lot of uh, power plants, uh, transport projects, telecommunications. It differs a little bit whether it's public or private. If you look at the telecom space, that's largely financed by the private sector, you know, private sector companies. And in that space, we uh, either fund directly or we work with commercial banks or DFIs to provide finance to these companies. When it comes to typical public-private partnerships, for instance, we have done that in Rwanda on a number of projects. And one example is the Kigali Build Water Project. Rwanda has a water production deficit. The government identifies that it can build a water production plant by using a private sector developer through a PPP framework. So there the initiative was taken by the government of Rwanda with the support of the IFC uh, PPP advisory unit. It puts out a bid. The private sector comes in, uh, puts their bid in. We backed, in this case, Metito, uh, a water company from uh, the Middle East. And then we provide long-term debt capital to develop that uh, project. So the initiative initially comes there from uh, government. You know, the private sector comes in to build this, to build a reliable and affordable and sustainable service for its citizens. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, you are very much in the business of de-risking, avoiding risk or seeking to avoid risk. That comes across very clearly. But there must be some risks associated with blended finance, Martin. I wouldn't call the risks as such um, or very risky as such. It, it is a different way of getting access to private sector capital. It is sometimes a little bit more complex structure because you have both public capital and private capital, and each type of capital has its own interests and priorities. But in many ways, you're also aligned. So obviously, EAF is set up as a commercial fund, right? It operates on a commercial basis, uh, but clearly also with a developmental angle. And what we're trying to achieve here is both aims, right? We have to operate on a commercial basis. We have to deliver a decent return for our lenders, also for our shareholders in the fund. At the same time, impact has to be delivered through that project as well. And we look at both elements. And once a project fits both criteria, then we will proceed. Uh, and we have set up a minimum threshold both on the developmental sustainability side as well as on the commercial side before we would proceed with a project. Right. Now, there are two, not opposing forces, but forces that have different goals when they invest in a project. One is developmental, of course, and that will be the public finance, I would imagine. And then you've got the private finance coming in, the private capital coming in, which obviously wants to be part of that developmental process, but also wants to make some money. Can a misalignment of interest such as this create conflicts between public and private investors? Infrastructure projects are complex in its nature anywhere in the world. You have to look at uh, different stakeholders in a project or in a transaction. So three of the key stakeholders are obviously the private sector developer, who wants to deliver a good service, but also wants to make a decent return. Then you have the off-taker of the service, of the infrastructure service, be it, you know, in the power sector or in the water sector or, you know, affordable public transport. 
And there, what you would look is like, what is the affordability of this service? Um, how sustainable is it? And then obviously you had the debt financiers, and that is where EAF sit. And we uh, need to make a risk adjusted return on the capital that we provide. So you would look at all three parties here. Yeah. And there are many more like contractors, insurance providers, environmental groups that you need to service. But if you look at those three pillars and you need to consider each project. And if one of these three parties can't achieve the goals that it has through this project, then you probably won't have a good project. So we always look at the equity provider or the developer needs to make its return. The lenders need to get a risk adjusted return on the capital it provides. But essentially, and this is the first question that we always ask when we look at a project, what does the project deliver long term for the citizens of this country? And if it doesn't deliver an affordable, reliable, sustainable solution, then you probably won't have a good project and we would shy away from proceeding. If it meets those three criteria for these stakeholders, then we think we have a good project and we proceed. Right. African credit markets are evolving and becoming more diversified. And I imagine the sort of projects that you've been speaking about automatically lead to uh, more development of African credit markets. But how do you see Africa's debt capital markets evolving, particularly in the infrastructure space in Africa? Yeah, this is an area where we have been quite active over the last couple of years. The capital markets in Africa are still relatively small, but we have seen uh, a growing trend towards uh, companies issuing uh, infrastructure bonds, both uh, by African governments as well as corporations in the infrastructure space. These bonds are used to finance infrastructure projects such as uh, roads, uh, ports, telecom companies. And I can give you a couple examples. We have in 2002 anchored the maiden bond issuance by an African telecommunication company called Action Telecom. And through that bond issuance, they raised $420 million to expand their footprint throughout Africa. This was a company that went through the capital markets for the first time. And EAF, together with another couple other DFIs, provided anchor support to give confidence to the market to get this first bond issuance over the line. Uh, we have done similar transactions with Helios Towers Africa, Sonatel in local currency in Senegal, as well as with IHS. And we believe that this is a market that hopefully will grow over time so that uh, it's easier for African uh, corporates to get access to the capital markets. Martin, thank you very much for your time and your insight. And thank you very much for listening to this podcast from the Emerging Africa Infrastructure Fund. If you'd like to explore any of the projects discussed in this episode, you can find a link to EAIF's website in the episode notes. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.